When you envision the ideal experience for your brewery guests, point of sale probably isn't at the top of your list. It's the transactional finality to their visit. What you need is a point of service. Arrived is the first mobile, flexible, customizable point of service system built for craft breweries. It adapts and grows with you on-premise and online. Your staff will love the simplicity, your managers will love the world-class support team, and your guests will love that they can get the same delicious beer with the same amazing service from anywhere. Fall in love with your point of sale. Fall in love with Arrived. This is Andy Crouch, and welcome to the Beer Edge Podcast. Writer Kenny Gould got his start with beer by running a tasting club in college. He was passionate about the subject, so it remained on his mind after he graduated and moved to New York to work for Gear Patrol magazine. In his spare time, Kenny and a friend developed the concept for hop culture. In the beginning, the goals were simple. A place to post their articles about beer. A basic blog. But the idea quickly grew, developing into a daily online lifestyle magazine for craft beer enthusiasts as well as a seller of custom beer merchandise and host of craft beer festivals around the country. Before COVID hit, Hop Culture planned to host a dozen such fests around the U.S. in 2020. But the pandemic grounded those plans. After running the business for four years, and in the midst of the pandemic, Kenny made a key realization that many reluctant or unexpected founders failed to appreciate. He just wasn't built to scale his own business. He preferred working on the creative side, so he decided it was time to find a partner. And in late 2020, Kenny found one in Nextglass, parent company of Untapped, Beer Advocate, and Osner. Kenny recently moved back to his hometown of Pittsburgh from New York City, another pandemic-influenced decision. And at Nextglass, Kenny is now the creative director for the company's growing list of brands, including one-time competitor, Beer Advocate. In this role, Kenny helps direct branding for Untapped and BA, as well as for Untapped's business clients. He also helps continue Hop Culture's successful event and merchandising elements. In our conversation, we discuss Next Glass's plans for the future, including its direct-to-consumer plays, and where Kenny hopes the company's brands go. We also discuss our mutual love of Pittsburgh and its distinctive beer scene. Here's my conversation with Hop Culture's Kenny Gould. So when you founded Hop Culture, what was your aim? What were what were you hoping it would turn out to be? That is a very funny question because uh, the answer is nothing. I mm-hmm. had no plans for it. Obviously, I thought, wow, wouldn't it be cool if one day it takes off and uh, I'm able to make a living out of it? But at the time, I just wanted to write about beer that I enjoyed. And that's what I did. It started really as a hobby and didn't really turn into a business um, for a little bit. Um, and then when it did, I held on for dear life and yeah. <laughs> just kept kept following the trail. And so um, ultimately sold it um, in November of last year and I'm now working for the new uh, parent company that that acquired ours and uh, that's been a great experience but when I started it I 
cannot tell you it was anything more than a glorified blog. And how would you describe hop culture's evolution? What has it, you know, what has it become now? Yeah. So when I started the magazine, I had a background in journalism. I had worked for Gear Patrol magazine in New York City and had gone on to uh, work freelance for a lot of different magazines all around the country and locally in Pittsburgh, where I was living at the time. And um, so I just, yeah, I, I just wanted to write and I wanted to write about something that I really loved and enjoyed and something that I knew about, which was beer. And I saw the beer community growing very quickly. Um, at the time, I had just moved from California back to Pittsburgh, which is, again, where I'm from originally and where I'm based now. And um, I had noticed in California that, that there were breweries popping up everywhere. And I noticed in Pittsburgh there were breweries popping up everywhere. And from my travels, I had just seen the scene really growing. Um, and the last couple of years have been a, a period of tremendous growth for, for the craft beer industry and your breweries opening up. But mm -hmm. um, I noticed that, that while we had this huge increase in infrastructure, um, the media hadn't really caught up. There were breweries that I was discovering a mile from my house that I had never heard of um, they'd been open for a year and uh, it was my job to know about them. <laughs> I was mm -hmm. writing uh, freelance about, about a lot of breweries. And so um, I said, you know, somebody should probably write about this stuff. And I said, oh, that somebody should, should probably be me. <laughs> and that's what I started doing. So that was, that was the goal. That was it. Um, when we started, that was all I wanted to do. And then um, that was January of 2017. In October of that year, we threw our first beer festival. It was called Juicy Brews. Um, we threw it at Dancing Gnome Brewery in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We invited 10 breweries that we thought were super cool to come into Pittsburgh and pour. Um, and the catalyst for that festival was that I had been going to a lot of beer festivals around Pittsburgh and I would show up with a uh, pinata shaped like a boombox that I had bought at Target. And I had made a big sign that said, win free beer. And uh, East End Brewery, which is an awesome local brewery mm -hmm. here in Pittsburgh, uh, had told me that if I went and poured for them, um, so they didn't have to pay anybody to pour, um, I could pass out business cards for this new digital magazine that I had started, uh, Hop Culture. And so that's what I did. Um, I, I went to all these festivals and I would pass out these cards. People would come stop by the booth because they'd see this sign. They'd throw their email address in this pinata. Um, at the end of the festival, I would pick out a name and um, whatever beer I had brought with me that day, I would uh, shoot the person a note and they were local. And so they'd, they'd come pick it up. Um, and I noticed going to a lot of these festivals that the experiences that I was having and I was seeing people have weren't really matching what uh, I wanted to have personally as somebody who was very invested in the craft beer industry. Um, you know, you go to these festivals and you'd be drinking beer, you could just go get at a store and it was being poured by 
uh, a volunteer typically who mm-hmm. didn't really know anything about the product, but maybe got a, a free ticket or a, a free hour of tasting or something after the event. Um, it was just people showing up to get as hammered as they possibly could in as, right. as short of an amount of time as possible, which is a blast. And if that's what you want to do, I'm not knocking it. Um, but for me, um, I was really interested in the craft. I was really interested in um, the education and, and just connecting with other people who were interested in, in the same things that I was. And so when we threw our festival, we said, okay, how are we going to make this the experience that we want it to be that is uh, antithetical to the experience that we had, um, you know, pouring at all these bigger uh, kind of drunk fests. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we went through the whole experience and, and said, okay, they did it this way, but what if we did it this way? And that resulted in the first juicy bruise. Uh, the entire thing sold out in about 10 seconds. Mm. Um, to this day, I have no idea how that happened, but I think, you know, when you're onto something, people tell you, and that was people telling us that, uh, maybe we were, we were onto something. And so, um, that's for me when it really started to become a real thing. That's when I said, okay, maybe this could be a business. Um, I come from a very entrepreneurial family. Um, you know, my dad, my grandfather started the business that my, my dad took over and, and ultimately built. And so um, have been blessed to have some good, good uh, business mentors in my life. And um, because at that time, my background was, again, in, in journalism, I had no idea how to build or grow a business. And I have uh, failed at so many things so many times, but you <laughs> learn from them is the important thing. And you keep moving forward and iterating and trying new things. And again, people will tell you when you're on the right track and when you're not on the right track. Um, And so we developed uh, a festival series. You know, that one was super successful. So we said, let's go do another one. So two months later, we showed up in New York City. We uh, threw our second Juicy Brews. This one had 18 breweries. Um, And it's a lot of names that at the time... um, a lot of people didn't know about, but I got the poster actually on my wall here. Um, tell me if you've heard of any of these guys. Uh, Aslin, Austin Street, Bearded Iris, Burley Oak, Civil Society, Crime and Punishment, Dancing Gnome, Equilibrium, Foam, Foundation, Hudson Valley, LIC Beer Project, Magnify, Melvin, Sand City, The Answer, and Triple Crossing. I don't think anyone's um, ever heard of any of those. Not popular. <laughs> and that was... That was in 2017 when a lot of these guys were really, you know, getting started and we yeah. were getting started at the same time. And so um, they, they took a chance on us and we took a chance on them and kind of grew together. Um, and so to date, we have thrown uh, 34 festivals, um, 31 live events, three digital events. We actually just did a, a sold out digital event on Saturday. I'm still <laughs> recovering a little bit. Yeah, that looked um, like it was a pretty marathon event. It was a blast. We shipped uh, 1,600 beer boxes, 18 beers. Um, it was a breakfast-themed event. It was called Juicy Brews Saturday Morning. And so we asked all the brewers to, to brew 
their interpretation of a breakfast beer. And so we had a lot of, um, you know, uh, double stack from Great Notion, which tastes like liquid mm-hmm. pancakes. And we had um, some sours that were sort of fruit compote-esque. Um, and we had uh, Three Sons down in Florida did a, a rice lager called Crispy Squares with marshmallow in it mm-hmm. that tasted uh, like Rice Krispies, um, Rice Krispie treats. It was awesome. Do you ever have Rice Krispie treat cereal in like the? Oh yeah, back in the day. Yeah, that is, yeah, that is a flavor you won't. Like. A flavor you won't forget. <laughs> it's so funny. I was uh, talking to them, and I I said that I you know smell they say is the sense that um, is most related to memory, and I tasted that beer, and I was just like twelve years old again. Yeah eating a bowl of cereal that my mom was probably yelling at me because it had too much sugar in it or something. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a, a treat. Huh? Yeah. You'd noted that, you know, you now have, you know, sort of the resources to be, you know, backing you to, to do that. And you noted earlier that, um, you know, that you had sold the company, you know, sort of late last year. And so yeah, the one we're talking about, it obviously is in 2020 next glass, you know, who would use more, commonly known as the parent company of untapped uh, acquired several you know companies including your own and beer advocate uh, how did that untapped deal uh, come to happen yeah so um, it's it's a long story I'll try to keep it concise but um, I was even when I was working for hop culture I was freelancing I just I love writing it's like my it's my passion it's what I love to do so um, I would work and then get off work and go work more, uh, writing. And so I was writing, um, I was a contributor at Forbes and I had gotten a press release from, um, next class from, uh, an agency that they had worked with that they had just hired somebody from Uber to come run their operations. And I thought, oh, that's, that's a pretty interesting story. Um, obviously, Untapped is a huge name in the beer industry, and they had, had just purchased uh, Beer Advocate as well, which is another huge name in the industry. So I was interested in the company. And, you know, with them bringing on Kevin Burke from Uber, was very interested in uh, how they were maturing and how they were changing, because that's a, I mean, operations uh, is a pretty big deal and Uber is a pretty big deal. And so um, to see someone in the beer industry bringing on that level of talent was just a really, I thought it was a very interesting thing. So um, I got in touch with the agency. They put me in touch with uh, Kevin Burke, who was the hire, and they put me in touch with Trey Smith, who is the CEO of Next Glass. Um, young guy, just a uh, actually just a little bit, he's a little older than me. Um, But I interviewed him and I remember thinking, this might be one of the smartest dudes I've ever talked to. Um, Just had a fascinating outlook on the beer industry, um, on the role that he and his company were were playing in it. Um, And also uh, it, it should be said that when we switched over to these digital events, um, we tried a few different ways to get word out about our events at Hop Culture. So um, 
we tried different advertising methods. And the only one that consistently moved the needle for us was advertising through Untapped. Um, so we, we spent, I don't know, uh, a lot of money on advertising um, in, in my time throwing 34 beer festivals. We bought billboards, we bought radio spots, we bought magazine ads, we bought digital magazine ads, we've advertised on Facebook and Instagram. And um, the only thing that consistently provided a return on investment was advertising with Untapped. So um, I, I talked to Trace and I, I thought he was just a super, super smart guy. I really appreciated his vision and, and what he wanted to do with the company. And not long after I saw, we connected on LinkedIn and I saw that he was uh, looking for a CMO, chief marketing officer. And so I said, you know, um, I started Hop Culture with the money in my pocket. Um, it has gone further than I ever would have thought it could have possibly gone. Um, but I think that in order to bring a company from, you know, one to 10 people, it's, it's not so hard. I think to go from 10 to a hundred, um, you need some level of investment. You need some level of, um, business acumen, which I certainly didn't have yeah. uh, coming from my, my journalism degree, you know, um, uh, you, you need some level of, um, you know, outside investment. So I, I was thinking at the time, um, okay, I can go try and raise my own capital or um, I can see about being acquired. And uh, I said, if, if there is somebody that's going to acquire us, I actually think this is the perfect company. I loved talking to Trace and Kevin. Um, I saw the vision and what they were trying to build. And I thought it was robust. Um, their advertising solutions had really worked for me as a, as a buyer. Um, and it was something that I could believe in and, and be a part of because um, <laughs> it's a lot easier to sell something you know works than mm -hmm. something you don't really believe in. Um, and so I reached out to Trace and I just said, hey, I see you're looking for some uh, marketing people. Um, what do you think about bringing on me and my team um, under your umbrella. Um, and he said, I think it's a very interesting idea. Why don't you let me know the next time you're in Charlotte, uh, which is where Next Class is headquartered. And I said, that is so funny. I'm going to be in Charlotte next week, hmm. uh, which I totally wasn't. Uh, but I think he knew that. Um, but I got in the car and I, I drove to Charlotte and we talked for three hours and when we left he said i love it it makes total sense to me uh let's do it and that's how we kicked off uh it sounds really climactic <laughs> then you have to go through due diligence sure. and you have the whole like <laughs> the whole three or four month process but um it wasn't that bad uh it was kind of fun actually and definitely an experience again that I that I never thought I'd be having in my life um, I had just turned 30 um, and we closed two days after my birthday so, um, so that was 
what is the what is yeah what is the value uh, for both parties do you think sure yeah um for us we now have access to a team we now have access to the largest single network of craft beer drinkers in the world um we just sold out a 1600 person digital craft beer festival um and we did that with a couple emails and some untapped promos. Yeah. Um, that's not something I think we could have done alone. Um, I, I know we couldn't have done it alone. Um, and then not only that, but then un, uh, Next Glass has an incredible events team. Um, it's made up of Talia Svera, who comes from MGM, and Claire Nicodemus, who came over um, with Talia from, from MGM. Um, and then Britt Burke, who was running incredible events for right. Beer Advocate yep. for many years. Um, I remember going to the Extreme Beer Fest and being like, this is what I want to make. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that was that was Britt. Um, and, and so to then have them run our event and to have everything, you know, be able to to let them take over the operations and let me focus again on on the, the things that I really get excited about, like the uh, art direction and the merch and um, consumer interaction, hosting the actual events themselves. Um, that was super, super cool. And again, not something that I think I could have done uh, by myself. Um, for them, they didn't have a marketing team until October of last year. I mean, it is a bunch of really, really smart engineers. Um, but as for the sort of consumer facing side, it just, it, it wasn't really there. I mean, um, Next Glass is now comprised of uh, Untapped, which is the app that you know most people listening are, are probably familiar with. But then there's Untapped for Business, Mm -hmm. which is the software tools that support um, beer menus and, um, you know, other types of uh, software, data analysis, all that stuff for 20,000 venues around the world. Um, There's Osner, there's Beer Advocate, and then now there's uh, Hop Culture. And so each one really brings something really unique to the table. But I think for us, it is that uh, consumer-facing acumen. Um, I mean, already in the last, what is it now? What's today? What month are we in? Yeah, no kidding. Andy, I don't even know. <laughs> um, I think it's it's February. Yes. Yep. Uh, so I started in November, and and already our our team has been able to come in and and really look at. Um, some of the content that uh, the next glass companies were creating. We've launched um, a couple new YouTube shows. So if anybody listening wants to check them out, um, definitely subscribe to the hop culture YouTube channel um, and the untapped YouTube channel as well. Um, we're putting out new content across those channels all the time and, and really um, stepping that up um, but yeah, I think it's just uh, that sort of consumer-facing uh, 
content that was was missing from their um, infrastructure. When you look at at what Next Glass is trying to do, and I've I've mentioned that I have appreciated their vision, but I haven't actually talked about <laughs> the vision. Um, you know the the way alcohol moves in this country is uh, someone produces it. If you're going across state lines, it goes to a wholesaler. Uh, the wholesaler sells it to the retailer and the retailer sells it to the consumer. So we talk a lot about the three tier system, but um, I think of it as a four tier system because ultimately you have the end consumer where the, the product ends up. Um, and that is, I think the most important tier. It's a, it's a super, super important tier that I, I don't think everybody thinks of when they think of the beverage alcohol ecosystem, but what, what next class what their goal is, is to create tools and software that tie all of those tiers together. Um, right now, if you are in the business of making beer, um, you might sell your beer to a distributor and you have no idea where that beer ends up. Or um, if you're a retailer, um, you might be buying beer from a distributor, but there's there might be things you don't know about that product that that you would love to learn about um, in order to better sell it to a consumer. And so um, to have one ecosystem where you can actually track a product from beginning to end, um, it creates efficiencies, it creates, and, and using technology to do it, I think is, is the other piece um, that I didn't mention, but um, that's why it's been, it was a, team of engineers before mm-hmm. we got there. So um, <laughs> I now sit on the, the marketing team with um, that events crew that I was talking about, um, some other awesome, awesome people that I've really enjoyed getting to know and learn from. Um, and on a personal level, uh, I became a business owner from being a, a writer. And so to be able to learn from uh, like my boss, for instance, um, she has had a, a really successful career in marketing, you know, managing millions of dollars in budget for companies all over the place. And, and so to really uh, not have to learn by uh, messing up and falling on my face, it has been awesome. Yeah. Um, even in the last few months to have uh, other people there who who bring their own background and experience to the table. Um, it's just, it's really working with a team um, and the benefits that come from that. So um, it's been great. Yeah. Arrived all the way. It's a system built by people who worked in the industry and they regularly check in with their clients for not only support, but ways they can potentially grow or help you pivot and readjust as needed. I've worked with all the major systems out there. And I would never pick another service, says Katie Neerling, the GM of Scott Brewstillery, about Arrived. At first glance, there's you know some considerable. There seems to be some considerable overlap among, say, Untapped and Hop Culture and Beer Advocate, whether in you know being a beer ratings product or a content provider or an events producer. But they clearly attract you know and, and appeal to different audiences. You know how do how do you and how does Next Glass manage you know sort of these these three particular properties that that do seem occasionally, you know, to be 
I don't know, quite stepping on each other's toes, but, you know, you know, certainly, you know, dipping in the same pool. Definitely. I think it's a matter of, you know, establishing swim lanes, right? I think uh, pop culture, we have always been pretty unapologetically millennial. Um, you know, we don't have a rock band at our festivals. We get a DJ and they come do a set or something. Or, um, you know, our art is very young and colorful and uh, my parents hate it. <laughs> um, but I think my parents would love uh, Untapped or Beer Advocate, you know? And so I think it's just different things for, for different people. Um, but again, combined, it forms the largest single network of beer drinkers in the world. And at the end of the day, um, that's what we're all here for is because we all have this shared interest. And so we have different um, ways we like to consume it. Um, some people like to homebrew it and then drink it in their garage. Some people like to get together with their friends and they all bring their dogs out and they go sit on a patio overlooking a river somewhere. And then they buy a couple four packs and go camping. Um, some people, you know, go show up at a music festival and, and bring it. It's, there's something for everybody in the community, which is why I love it um, because it, it does bring so many people together. Um, so many experiences together. And I think when you look at the audiences that each of those platforms are reaching, um, it, it's a little bit different for everyone. For instance, we've never reviewed a beer um, or we've never given a, a score to a beer um, on hop culture. That's just not something we do. It's not something I want to do. Um, from the very beginning, mm -hmm. I said we would never do it. So, uh, but that's what Untap does. Um, that's what Beer Advocate has, has been doing for almost 25 years now. Um, and that's great. Uh, I think that's good, but it's just not what we do. So it's just, I think, appealing to different segments of this beautiful craft beer community. When Next Glass bought Hop Culture, uh, you wrote that it was not because of our past, but because of our future. You know, sort of in light of the Next Glass deal, what are the long-term plans, you know, maybe even starting this year for, you know, the Hop Culture brand? That's a great question. Obviously, COVID has, has changed a lot. Um, I think, you know, one thing that our team has always been really passionate about is um, equity and inclusivity in the industry. And it's something that, again, now that we um, have some more resources and a, a bit of a, a bigger platform, um, we're really able to live out those values as, as best as we can and as fully as we can. So recently we launched um, an internship with Beer Culture, which is an awesome mm -hmm. 501c3 based down in St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, and so we launched an internship for uh, a person of color to come learn about beer media. Um, and that's something that we are looking to push. Um, with our most recent festival, we raised over $10,000 for uh, the University of, I'm sorry, for Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh, which is a 
University of Pittsburgh Medical Center mm-hmm. um, for for kids who need abdominal transplants. Um, so that was awesome. I mean, um, that's one thing that our team has been pretty excited about, just uh, creating more opportunities for more people um, through the platform of beer. Um, we started throwing Beers Without Beards, which I mentioned, which is that festival celebrating women in the industry um, that was started by Grace White, our head of partnerships in 2018. Um, it was actually her graduate school thesis project, and we all went to see her present that at NYU. Um, well, we were living in New York at the time, and afterward, I was just like, Grace, that was awesome. Do you want to come work for us full time and make that happen? And she's like, yeah, that's why I spent my entire thesis uh, on it. (laughs) That's why I wrote the thesis. So um, that's been a really cool program. And that's something um, we're looking to expand this year. Um, We are throwing Queer Beer Festival in June, which will be um, a celebration of queer identity in beer. And that's something that that our team has wanted to do for a long time and that we're all uh, really excited about. So I think it's just the opportunity to bring more people to the table and now to have a platform from which um, we can do that work and uh, engage with more people has been awesome. And it's something I'm really looking forward to uh, pushing in the next year, um, especially. Pop culture, as you noted, you know, has spent a lot of energy, you know, in trying to sustain and promote diversity and inclusion in the beer industry, you know, whether through its events or uh, content. You mentioned some of those, including Beer Without Beards and the upcoming Queer Beer Festival. Um, I, I guess just at the outset, do you think that the craft beer industry is inclusive? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Um you can always do better. I mean, no, uh, I think you, I don't know, you can rationalize anything you want to yourself, but I think if you really take a step back and, uh, I mean, how can it be inclusive? Go walk into any tap room and look around. Uh, who do you see? Um, is it cause women don't like beer? Is it cause black people don't like beer? Is it cause, um, you know, people who identify as queer don't like beer, that they're not showing up. Um, no, it's because people don't feel welcome in these spaces. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if you've had the experience of being uh, the only one of something in a room, but um, it's not that fun. Um, it's, it's, it's not fun. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll just say that and uh no i think i think we could do much better as a whole and look even if we're already there there's no harm in doing better right Mm -hmm. so uh even if my answer is completely wrong um what's wrong with doing better right so um no i think we have uh miles to go before we sleep and tell me more about queer beer fest how do you envision that uh working and is that um 
is that going to be, you know, with COVID, or is that going to be in person or more likely online? And, yeah, so and, and in a, in a, a future, event. in a future version, you know, what would that look like in, as an in-person event? Yeah. So um, Grace White's our head of partnerships. Um, she was the one who conceptualized uh, Beers Without Beards. Um, she identifies as queer. Um, she's married to an awesome woman. Shout out Stacy Lee White. Um, they moved to Oakland, California, um, not so long ago when Hot Culture, we went, we went remote. Um, let's see, I'm trying to think of when it was. Probably a year before COVID, mm-hmm. um, I was looking at how the company was being run and I was looking at our, our books and I just thought, you know, there's no reason we all need to be in, in New York City. Um, I don't totally want to be here. I missed like, you know, walking outside in my bare feet. And um, <laughs> I said, I think I'm going to move back to Pittsburgh. I told the team, hey, if you want to move to Pittsburgh, you're welcome to come. If you don't, uh, go wherever you want and we'll try that and see how it works. And it's been awesome. Um, but Grace and Stacy moved out to Oakland. And so our vision actually was to do an East Coast Beers Without Beards in 2020. And we were going to do a West Coast Beers Without Beards in the Bay Area. Of course, uh, we couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we were fingers crossed, hoping, hoping that we might be able to get back to a, a live event um, in the Bay Area for queer beer um, by this summer. I do not think it's going to happen. So we're going to be doing a digital event. Um, in the future, I would love for it to be a live event, and I think it'll be just as robust and awesome as um, the other events we do. But um, to answer your question again, I think like sometimes I'll sit down and I'll make a list of who are who are the coolest breweries that I want to invite to a festival, and I'll invite all those people, and it'll all be uh, guys who look a lot like me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, why is that? You know, again, is it because uh, only white guys who look like me like beer? Or is it the responsibility of the people who are in, in the in club to, uh, you know, try and make things more comfortable for other people so that they feel like they can come in um, and not be you know, give it a funny look or uh, have somebody say weird things to them. Or, um, you know, I don't know if you saw Todd Ostrom just published a list of the black owned breweries. Yep. Saw that. Yeah. Did you read through the comments? Oh, the responses were, were in combination atrocious and almost entirely foreseeable and predictable, which is, you know, <laughs> it, it's a terrible combination of the two. Yeah, uh, but I think like uh, you just have to be honest with yourself about uh, where you're at and where the industry's at and where the country's at, where the world's at. And and uh, I don't know. I, I personally would like to see a future where um, the industry is more equitable and inclusive. Mm-hmm. Not everybody agrees with me. Um, happy to have that chat if somebody wants to. Um, but no, we're we're certainly not there. And I think the comments on something so innocuous as uh, 
just yeah, publishing a list yeah. saying support, you know, small businesses that, that could use your help um, <laughs> are, are proof yeah. um, of that. So, yeah, I don't know. So you mentioned Todd Alstrom, and obviously he runs Beer Advocate, a place where I wrote for that magazine for a long time. I've known both the, him and his brother Jason for forever, it seems like. Um, we've talked about sort of the future of hop culture within uh, the Next Glass family. Um, where does Beer Advocate fit into that lineup of properties, and, and where do you see it going in the future? That is a good question. Um, I think you would have to talk to Todd about that. Um, I don't know. I think uh, they're celebrating their, their 25th anniversary. Uh, I forgot you wrote for them. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's actually, I think, probably how we originally got in touch. Yep. That's super cool. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm kind of, I've only been there now for a couple months and I'm still trying to figure everything out. And so my first job was to make sure that uh, my team was situated and felt integrated. And I'm, I'm just starting to work out of that now. So um, if you brought me back on in, in a couple months, I'd probably have a very different answer. But uh, as of now, I, I cannot answer that question. And what was your response? Obviously, when you when you came on, um, you know the the governing team sort of looked a little bit different at Untapped, and obviously with the announcement recently that the founder Greg Avola was planning on on you know stepping away from the company. You know, what was your response to learning that that Greg was leaving? Oh, I was sad. I think Greg is an incredible individual. Um, I love talking to Greg. I I love learning from Greg. Um, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Greg and uh, what he has built. Um, and I told him that. Um, and, you know, I don't know if things, things change all the time. If you had told me 10 years ago that this is where I would be, I would have, you know, said you were crazy. Um, and so I don't know. I think, the, the company is going through a, a shift and a change. Um, like I, I mentioned, Kevin Burke just came on from Uber. Um, ben Rhodes just came on. I believe he worked at Cisco. Uh, I know Chris Heron, the CTO. Um, I know he's worked for a lot of very, very awesome tech companies. But um, the one that I know him from uh, is Audible because I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a big uh, audiobook listener. So... Um, yeah, there has been a tremendous amount of change just in maturation in, um, I think it's, I think it's the company's time. I mean, look, next glass has been around for a couple of years on has been around for a couple of years, but I, uh, the atmosphere there is very much a startup atmosphere. Um, I very much feel like, um, we're, we're just getting started. So um yeah I, I think it is a change from what has been the company has been uh i think only time will tell um what that you know how that change uh looks but i i think it's very positive i'm very excited for the future um yeah we'll see <laughs> like i said call come back on in in a year or whatever and we can have the conversation mm-hmm. again but um i I know already a lot of things that in that due diligence phase I was talking about, those early days where um, Trace and I were just kind of talking, 
sort of laying out the vision and where we thought we could go and, and what we were excited about, um, already some of that has started to come to fruition and it's been four months. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a testament again to his vision and leadership and, um, just the, the team that's there in general. It's very, very strong. It's very new. Um, but the talent there has is, is been awesome to work with and learn from. You, rec- you noted that you recently moved back to Pittsburgh, where I think you said you grew up um, from New York. Yeah. Pittsburgh, uh, it's a city I get to visit from time to time. Uh, and uh, you know, one of those cities that really doesn't necessarily get a lot of attention, even in the beer world, but I think is a fantastic beer city. You know, can you talk to me about oh, what, what you love about <laughs> Pittsburgh and its beer scene? And also tell me how it's done in you know, how things have been going during COVID. Oh man, how much time do you have? Uh, I could talk to you about I Pittsburgh could talk... all night. Yeah, I love Pittsburgh, so go on. <laughs> uh, first of all, uh, go Penn. I uh, thought the Steelers might make a, a run of it this year. It didn't happen, but there's always next year. Um, I love Pittsburgh, man. It's, it's like, it's the best. Uh, it's a great city for entrepreneurship. It's mm-hmm. a great community. Um, I think I always tell people, uh, Mr. Rogers is from Pittsburgh and, uh, that whole, like, won't you be my neighbor thing, I think is super ingrained in like the Pittsburgh, uh, ethos and, and mentality. Um, it's an old steel town. Uh, there's still a lot of infrastructure here from that era. Um, so it's, it's kind of this beautiful mix of old and new. Um, I'd like to see more of the old. Uh, getting preserved as mm-hmm. we make way for the new. Um, you know, Pittsburgh has problems. Pittsburgh has problems with gentrification and, um, you know, race, like I think most of America. Um, but on the whole, I think it, it was an incredible place to, to grow up. And um, yeah, the beer scene here is popping. I mean, it's popping everywhere. It's a great time to be involved in the beer scene um one of my favorite brewers actually used to be my uh liquor lawyer um when hop culture was doing events and we wanted to make sure we you know someone wasn't going to show up with a badge and and take us all to jail um i would call rob um who just opened old thunder brewing um with his business partner zach and they have a third partner as well but um, they were most famous for being the brewers at Brew Gentlemen, which okay. won uh, Taste Magazine's, you know, best blind tasting 200 IPAs in America back in the day. Um, they're incredible brewers. And I mean, they opened up two months ago. Um, the guy that built my website, uh, Ben Butler, um, runs an incredible design agency here in Pittsburgh. He's opening up a brewery um, in a couple months up in up in northern part of Pittsburgh. Um, we've got Cinderlands Brewing here, which is actually what I'm drinking right now. Um, little white lager from them. That's awesome. We've got Grist House. We've got Hitchhiker. Mm-hmm. We've got Dancing Gnome. Yep. We've got um, Hop Farm and Roundabout. And uh, Man, I shouldn't have started naming names because <laughs> inevitably I'm going to leave 
out 30 breweries and they're going to be upset. Yeah. I'll, I'll, um, I'll just cut you off on that. Just, you know, just, it's a time <laughs> issue, everybody. It's a time issue. I got to, but I, it's but, a time I issue. <laughs> but I, I love, I love Pittsburgh and I love getting, getting there and visiting places like independent brewing company, even though it's not, not a brewing, not a brewing company. Uh, but wow. seeing that mixture of the old and the new, you have the old, you know, lager houses um, and just the old architecture of those places and the, and the German heritage uh, mixed with, you know, folks doing crazy, hazy new stuff. Yep. Yep. It's, uh, it's awesome. I love it. So I can, that's, that's all I'll say about that. Cause otherwise you're going to get me going for, for the night. But uh, <laughs> I guess the last thing I'll say on that is that next time you're in town, hit me up and we'll go to Gooski's and, uh, you know, play pool or, or see an underground punk show. Hopefully COVID is not a thing anymore. Yep. Um, and get a beer. It'll be fun. That sounds good. Well, Kenny, I want to thank you for coming on and I definitely will be in touch in the future to see where things, you know, shake out with hop culture and untapped and beer advocate. I think it's exciting times and I'm looking forward to seeing what you do. Thanks for listening to the Beer Edge podcast. My partner, John Hall, and I work hard to bring you fresh and insightful content related to the ever-changing world of craft beer. We're passionate about beer and independent journalism. If you're interested in supporting Beer Edge, visit our website, beeredge.com, which is updated regularly with new content, interviews, and articles. Please also consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your episodes. You can also subscribe to the Beer Edge newsletter on our website. Is there anyone you think that we should be talking to? Please drop us a line at andy at beeredge.com with your thoughts. Thanks for your support. Go to Arrive.com to set up a free, customized demo with an Arrived consultant and see how a point of sale can make all the difference in your guest experience, staff satisfaction, and bottom line. Chances are, a switch to Arrive will save you time, money, and a whole lot of headaches. Arrive.com. That's A-R-R-Y-V-E-D dot com. Because there's no I in Arrived.